0: Welcome to Elephant Dialogues. I'm Bryson Alley, and I'm really excited for this episode because it's one of those things that completely changed how I see the world. This is a concept called moral foundations theory, and most of what I'll be talking about comes from my ethics classes at Brigham Young University and Jonathan Haidt's book, The Righteous Mind. I highly recommend it. Like the review from NPR on the back of the book says, it may well change how you think and talk about politics, religion, and human nature. Here we go.
1: America's developed a culture of contempt, a habit of seeing people who disagree with us, not merely as incorrect or misguided, but as worthless.
0: We cannot solve the challenges of our time unless we solve them together.
1: It was an opportunity to practice empathy. There's a huge empathy deficit in our culture.
0: We don't need to disagree less. We need to disagree better. Toward what our President Lincoln called the better angels of our nature. I want to start by reading a short paragraph from this book, The Righteous Mind. For context, the author is describing what his views were in college about the other side of the political aisle. For him, that meant conservatives. So for me, a lifelong conservative, it was really interesting reading how the other side might view me and my opinions. What really blew my mind, though, was that I could have said the same things about him and his side of politics. In fact, I have often heard conservatives describe liberals using much the same language. So listen to his description and think about how you might describe the morality of your political opponents. Here's the quote. My morality wasn't just shaped by my family and ethnicity. I attended Yale University, which was ranked at the time as the second most liberal of the Ivy League schools. Liberalism seemed so obviously ethical. Liberals marched for peace, workers' rights, civil rights, and secularism. The Republican Party was, as we saw it, the party of war, big business, racism, and evangelical Christianity. I could not understand how any thinking person would voluntarily embrace the party of evil. And so I and my fellow liberals looked for psychological explanations of conservatism, but not liberalism. We supported liberal policies because we saw the world clearly and wanted to help people, but they supported conservative policies out of pure self-interest, like lower my taxes, or thinly veiled racism— like stop funding welfare programs for minorities. We never considered the possibility that there were alternative moral worlds in which reducing harm by helping victims and increasing fairness by pursuing group-based equality were not the main goals. And if we could not imagine other moralities, then we could not believe that conservatives were as sincere in their moral beliefs as we were in ours, end quote. Did you hear anything in that paragraph like I did that describes how you see or how you used to see the other party? Have you ever wondered how another American could voluntarily embrace the party of evil? Have you ever assumed that your political party sees the world clearly and wanted to help people and that the other side must be blind and evil? Here's the last sentence again. If we could not imagine other moralities, then we could not believe that conservatives were as sincere in their moral beliefs as we were in ours. Now, before we go on, I want to make something very clear. Throughout this episode, I do not mean to suggest that all ideas are created equal or have equal merit. I don't want to suggest that all beliefs are moral or equally worthy of support. Some ideas are wrong, and some ideas are very wrong. This isn't moral relativism where there are no right answers and everyone can make up their own morality, so please don't leave with that message. But as a conservative, I read that paragraph and thought, of course I'm sincere in my moral beliefs. How could he not see that? This episode is about understanding how other people can share similar morals and still come to different opinions about policy and politics. Then we can debate about the details of policy plans and ideas without losing respect for the other side or believing them to be amoral. Let me put it this way. For those listeners who are religious and conservative— This episode is about seeing the spark of divinity or the light of Christ in our brothers and sisters, no matter their political party. And if you're less religious and more progressive, this is about believing the experiences of diverse groups and understanding how they see the world. So the big question is, can two people disagree passionately about politics and both be basing those opinions on moral foundations? Jonathan Haidt suggests that there are a number of moral frameworks, each with their own focus and merits— and he compares those frameworks to our various taste receptors. We all have the same five taste receptors on our tongues. Saltiness, sweetness, bitterness, sourness, and savoriness, sometimes referred to by its Japanese term, umami. These five receptors help us taste a great variety of food, and we all have our preferred combinations when it comes to taste. Those preferences are influenced by genetics, culture, and experience. Similarly, we're going to talk about five different moral foundations, or moral receptors, that are common across individuals and cultures. Understanding how people might focus on a few of these moral frameworks will help us understand how we all have different political tastes and preferences. These moral foundations are named thusly. Care, fairness, loyalty, authority, and sanctity. Let's go through each of those and what they mean. The first one is care. This is the idea that morality requires caring for the weak, for the young or those in distress. This is the compassion a conservative feels for an unborn fetus and the concern that a liberal has for the children detained at the border. The morality of care makes us sensitive to those who need our help. The second one is fairness, the idea that morality involves trust between two parties and that we should be working together fairly to achieve the best results. Many conservatives felt that it wasn't fair when Brett Kavanaugh's family was put through hell in his sexual assault case. Liberals and progressives often fight for equality between social groups, advocating for fairness in how we treat people of color or members of the LGBTQ community, for example. Third, we have loyalty. This comes in the form of national pride or even sticking with a sports team far longer than is deserved. This helps us to work together as communities, and it's why we find traitors repulsive. Republicans might see this as standing for the national anthem, and Democrats are angered when President Trump sides with Russia over our own intelligence agencies. Fourth is authority. This moral framework teaches us to respect our elders, or to respect the hierarchy of any given organization. This might mean respecting police officers, but it can also be seen as bravely standing up to authority that has become oppressive. Finally, we have sanctity. This is the moral foundation that is built on cleanliness, order, and the divinity inherent in each of us. It's why we respect the graves of our loved ones and consider cannibalism a desecration of something holy. Religious conservatives find this moral foundation particularly powerful, believing that God has given us a set of rules to live by, and that living by those rules will bring the greatest amount of blessings to our families and societies. Now, Having gone through all those examples, I'm sure I listed an issue with which you disagree. That's fine. Like I said, we can debate the validity and specifics of any given issue. But my goal is to see how these moral frameworks can be applied by different people in different ways. Understanding these different frameworks is powerful in a couple of ways, and I want to talk about both. First, it can help us understand and connect with each other. And second, it can help us frame our arguments in a way that others more easily understand, making us more convincing when sharing our ideas. So whether your goal is to understand the other side or more powerfully convince others to your point of view, this is for you. Let's look at the first part, understanding others. If you listen to our episode on sexual assault and conviction, you know my opinion on the Brett Kavanaugh case. I don't think he is worthy of being on the Supreme Court, So I might disagree with someone about whether or not Brett Kavanaugh is guilty of sexual assault, but I can also understand when they argue that those on the left treated him unfairly in the way they handled that case. Both things can be true at the same time, and understanding one another will help us talk about these issues without resorting to shouting and accusations. So next time you disagree with someone, take a step back and consider what moral foundation they might be using to come to their conclusion. This was the idea behind our abortion episode, that sitting down and actually talking to someone might help us understand their motivations and underlying values, and we might discover that they're not too different from our own, even if we disagree on the steps we should take to achieve those goals. Now, if you're hoping to be more compelling in your arguments, understanding these different moral foundations can be a powerful tool. We have learned to put up our defenses when we feel attacked. So, when someone attacks our political ideology for being wrong or amoral, we immediately start looking for counterarguments and rebuttals. We become defensive and even more sure of our position. But if we can convince someone that we are on the same side by using the language of their own moral foundations, we can discuss things as friends, not as foes. This means reframing our arguments in a different moral framework. Pete Buttigieg, a 2020 Democratic presidential candidate, does this extremely well when talking about climate change. This is an issue that not many conservatives connect with, at least on a political level. But listen to how Pete restates the
1: argument in a framework that religious conservatives
0: do understand.
1: We're having a national conversation, and I think it's absolutely appropriate for us to speak to people whose moral and political choices are guided by faith. And I think that very much comes into play when we talk about the climate. First of all, uh, the faith tradition I'm part of and a lot of others too, emphasize the way that we are responsible for creation, that uh, that we're just passing through. And we have a responsibility to make sure that the world is in better shape when we leave than it was when we got here. But there's also a much more immediate dimension, which is climate really is about uh, harm coming to people. This isn't just about saving the planet, this is about saving people. Uh, People who are alive today and the younger you are, the longer you're planning to be here, the more you have to lose. And that means it's a matter of justice and fairness and Uh, You know, certainly my religious tradition calls on us to be especially concerned with the marginalized, with the poor, with the endangered. And a lot of people, there's disproportionate harm from climate-related impacts uh, happening to communities of color, happening to low-income people, and then overseas happening to some of the countries that can least afford another drought or another flood. That has moral weight. See what he did
0: there? He took climate change and reframed it in the morals of sanctity, fairness, and care— He's trying to appeal to people across political and ideological spectrums by framing an issue he cares about in the moral foundations of those who might initially disagree. To be frank, you might say that this is political maneuvering and manipulation, but I believe he's sincere when he talks about his faith inspiring him to care for the planet, because my own religious understanding is the same. So maybe the answer is to be careful of using moral foundations as a manipulation technique, But if we can learn to look at our own beliefs from a new perspective, we can sincerely connect with people that we might not otherwise understand. So there you go. Moral foundations theory helps us understand the issues we face through various moral lenses. And again, not all policies and ideas are great, and I do believe that there are those in power who base their decisions on greed, jealousy, or some other vice. But I do believe that most people are trying to be moral. And understanding that will improve our conversations with our family and friends. Thanks again for listening. I'm Bryson Alley, and this is Elephant Dialogues. Subscribe, leave us a review, and join us next week as we continue our experiment in better conversations.